in Mark 12, verse 28, they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment in the law? He says that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, and your neighbor as yourself. Now that is the greatest commandment of the law. That is not the new commandment to the church. Now you might say, but what is the new commandment? Then, then the Bible says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. And then you feel tired. <laughs> because how are you going to get that right? You see, the, th- the thing that we must know when it comes to Christianity and our relationship with God is we must be honest with ourselves. If you think the new commandment that you must obey to be righteous before God is to love your neighbor as yourself, you must be honest with yourself and ask yourself if you do love your neighbor as you love yourself 24-7 all the time, not once not loving your neighbor as yourself. Because if you don't love your neighbor as yourself once, it means that you stand guilty before that law and that you are in need of mercy. In other words, then you're not saved by loving your neighbor as yourself anymore, but you're saved by mercy. Or is that too quick? So say it again. <laughs> Let me say it again. If there's a, a, a commandment, if you think that the new commandment is that we must love each other as we love ourselves, that's a new commandment that, that God has given unto us, then you must, and you think that's, I mean a commandment, according to the Old Testament, the way a commandment worked was, it's something that you were commanded to do in order to be saved. Or to be like God. So, it's like uh, uh, many people think Jesus took our sins away and that's why I, I used to believe it. Jesus took our sins away and now He came and He gave us a new commandment and that new commandment is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So now I am loving my neighbor. And then the guy comes uh, um, and asks for a job you know, at, at the gate and I say to him, listen man, we don't have a job right now and he, he continues and the next guy comes and the next guy comes and the tenth guy, then I lose my temper. And I feel, oh, don't I love my neighbor as myself? Because I would, what I would do is, um, if I love my neighbor as myself, if I buy a car for myself, then I'll buy my neighbor a car as well. You know, I will rather stay in a cheaper house and make sure that my neighbor and I, we've got the same house because I can't see that he doesn't live in a house. <laughs> No, but that's not what... Listen, but if you want to love... How do you love yourself? How do you love yourself? You love yourself with a great love. You don't want yourself ever to be... Uh, uh, um, I mean, you don't misunderstand yourself. You always... You know, when there's a situation where... Um, you know, where something bad has happened, like say the traffic officer stopped you, or uh, uh, you, you will say, you know, I can't believe this traffic officer. You know, I simply just forgot my driver's license at home. And he treated me as if I don't have a license. You always want to see the best in yourself in a situation where you are judged by somebody else. Now you must love your neighbor just like that. If that is the command you think you must obey to be saved. If you don't do it, it means you are guilty before God. Now we know that the, the new, in the New Testament we've got guilt-free living because our life is not contained in what we do for God but in what Christ has done for us. And I want in, in this, today I want to teach you how obedient you are to God. Isn't that wonderful? 
If you walk out here, I want you to know that you are obedient. Not that you lack obedience, that you are obedient. So if we talk about obedience, I want to talk about how you get it right to obey God. Not what you can do to get it right to obey God. How you are already obedient before God. Amen. Right, so there's two commandments. Uh, um, or, or when they asked Jesus, they said, what is the greatest commandment? He quoted Deuteronomy 10 verse 12. And he said, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. And then he quoted uh, Leviticus 19 verse 18, where it says, and your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so that was old, an Old Testament, the greatest Old Testament commandment. Then in John chapter 10 verse 14, let's open up there. John chapter 10. And we're just going to look at the New Testament commandment. Under the law, a commandment, the, the, the word commandment, I just see if I wrote it down here, is that which is prescribed to you by the reason of your office. That's what Webster says. A, a, a commandment is something, or not Webster's, that is uh, one of the Greek definitions, it's something that is ascribed to you because of your office. So, under the Old Testament, it was people were told, these are the things you must do in order to be like God because of the office they were in, which was a sinner. So, they said to a sinner, God said, you're a sinner, you're not righteous before me, and Adam chose by his works to be righteous before God, and he said, because of the place you are in, these are the things that's assigned to you because of the office you stand in, to be like God. That is a commandment. Okay. Now, that is a wonderful definition of a commandment when it comes to the New Testament. So, Jesus Christ comes in John chapter 10. From verse 14. He says, I'm the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known of mine, and the Father knoweth, um, knows me, even so I know the Father, and lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which, you, um, which is not of this fault, talking about the Gentiles, them also must I bring, that they shall hear my voice, and there shall, they shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore does my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. Now listen to verse 18. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down on myself. I have power to lay my life down, I have power to take it up again. This commandment have I received of my Father. So he received the commandment, not that he must go and lay down, but that he has got power to do it. So the commandment, the way God spoke to Jesus, the way He gave a commandment to Jesus, was actually proclaiming who He is and what He is capable of. So when He gave Jesus a commandment, He says, Jesus, this is my commandment towards you, or this is what I say about you because of the office that you are in. You've got the ability to lay down your life and take it up again. No man can take your life from you. But you are my son, in whom I'm well pleased, that possesses the power to do this. That's how God gives a commandment. Okay? 
So now, when it comes to us, the Bible says in, in, in John, it's uh, um, John chapter 16, John chapter, um, chapter 13. Let's go to John chapter 13, verse 34. John chapter 13, verse 34. Now that's very important. Jesus said, I've got this commandment of my Father. That I have got power to lay my life down. It's not, you must lay your life down, otherwise I'm going to be angry with you. No, no, it is that I have got the power. That's what God spoke to Jesus. Now, if we are in Christ, and we've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus, what is God's commandment? How does God speak towards us and concerning us because of the office we are in, in Christ? It's not something that you must do to be pleasing before God. It is something that God declares over your life because you are pleasing before Him. That's God's commandment in the New Testament. John 13, verse 38. You're going to be blessed now. Did I say 38 there? 34. Now listen to this. It says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Now, I was asking this question and I said, if I must be honest with myself, um, since I got into the gospel, I really love people much more. But I couldn't see myself loving the way Jesus loves. I, I struggled with it. To think that I, or the way God loves people that I'm willing to sacrifice my son so that somebody else's son can be saved. That's difficult. Man. And I found shortcomings in my life and when it comes to this, the love message, I just felt I don't make it. I don't make it. And whenever I read about love, it was this thing of, I don't love enough. that came up in the back of my mind. There's a shortcoming. Where the Bible says that the true worshippers, once purged, shall have no more conscience of sin. Where we can come before God with boldness and no judgment in our hearts, but know that He accepts us and cares for us. Hallelujah. Now it says here, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. So that word that there, I studied that in the Greek. It says that or, it can also mean so that. Now let's use the word so that. And then we'll sort of see what, what's happening here. It says, A new commandment I give unto you, so that you can love one another as I have loved you. That changes the whole thing. That actually says that the commandment is something that empowers me to love. So what is this commandment? <laughs> if the commandment is not, you better love each other, if the commandment is, I command you something, I say something to you that will empower you to love people the way I love you. Now, we must first go to First John and see how God loves us. If we know how God loves us, then we will know how, that, how we can love each other as well. First John chapter 4 and verse 7. First John chapter 4 and verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not, knows not God, for God is love. 
in this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that God loved us, but that... Uh, uh, not, not that, we, sorry, here is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. So what is love? Love, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us. Now if you go and read, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, and He loved us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. The Bible says, David described the blessedness of the man to whom God does not impute His trespasses and His sins. So God loved us by looking at us, by separating our sins from us. By saying, I can see who this person is apart from His sin." That's why the only way in which you can look at yourself, the only way God looks at you, is through the sacrifice of Jesus. When He looks at you through the sacrifice of Jesus, He sees that, and not just looks through it, by the sacrifice of Jesus, He has removed your transgressions from you. And herein is the love of God, that God removed your transgressions from you. And that He doesn't impute your trespasses against you. Therein is the love of God. So if you preach the love of God, if you preach the word of God, you preach the word where God does not impute our trespasses against us. So what will make people live holy? God that lives in you. Yeah, but I want to make sure. Let me tell you, you can't make more sure then put God in somebody and create that person into the very image and likeness of God. Do you think God needs 10 lessons on how to love somebody? Do, do, do you think that God needs 5 steps on how to lay his life down for somebody? Do you think God needs 3 steps on how to be generous? No ways. He is generosity. He doesn't even possess it. He is generosity. He, he doesn't possess... He doesn't possess love. He is love. And when He created us in Christ Jesus, in the resurrection of Christ, we were created into His very image, into His stature and likeness, and we received the spirit, or another word for spirit that we can use is attitude, of God, indwelling human flesh, so that God now lives in us. So that we not by our efforts try to be like God, but that God lives in us. That is the love of God. That is the message of God's love. That is the commandment that Jesus had. One of the commandments that Jesus had is that He is the Savior. He is the Messiah. God commanded him and said to him, You are the Savior of the world. Your name shall be Jesus, for you shall deliver. Not you shall do it otherwise. No, no. It's because he could speak over him what he really is. It's what was ascribed to him because of his position that he was in. Okay, so now it says, A new commandment I give unto you, so that you can love one another as I have loved you. So how did he love us? He loved us by not seeing our sin. Now, the only way that we cannot see somebody else's sin is by relating to them on the foundation of what God has done with their sins. 
in Jesus Christ. You can't love somebody more than simply seeing the unconditional love of God towards him. That's what Paul says. He says, the love of Christ constrains us, for we've got this mindset, if one died, then all are dead already. That means that if when Jesus died, he died as a law man, so that no man today has got a relationship with God on the basis of the law. The path of the law has been taken away, and a new and living way has been made available for all of man, which is Jesus. So that whosoever calls upon the name of Jesus and can be saved. Amen. Amen. That is the love of God. That is what compelled Paul. So a new commandment he gave. Now let's go and look exactly what this new commandment is. Um, in First John chapter 3. First John chapter 3. Just make sure. A new commandment. So what is, if there's something that we must do, what God commands, let's, let's just hear what it is. I hope I find the right verse here. Verse 20, it says, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemns us not, then have we confidence towards God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. So what was the commandment He gave? That we must believe on the name of Jesus Christ and love each other as He gave us commandment. In other words, to believe on Jesus Christ. And you might say, but Bhakti, that is not right. Listen to what it says in 1 John chapter 4. It says, Let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. So love only finds its origin after you've believed in Jesus. After you've believed in Jesus, you really start to see the love of God flow through you. So if you have believed on Jesus and continue to believe in Jesus, now, not to believe that Jesus existed, but to believe what He's done for you and what it implies to your life, that you have got no more relationship with God based on your works, but only on the work of one man, Jesus Christ, giving God all the glory. The moment you have that in your heart, the love that flows, the the real love will sort of flow from that. Because you will start to see people for who they really are. You will start to see what God has done with the sins of man. You will start to go to people that have never accepted Jesus and you will, ex- you, you will s- s- love them the way God loved you by declaring over them that their sins have been paid for in Jesus Christ. That's how you love other people the way God loves you. And that is the way you love others the way you love yourself. Isn't that wonderful? How do we love ourselves? By allowing this gospel message in our hearts. By saying, I love myself by, by simply acknowledging what Christ has done for me and seeing my own life separate from my own sins. And declaring the commandment of God which is, I have paid for the sins of the world 2,000 years ago. When we believe that, we experience the washing that comes through that word. Hallelujah. 
So that is the commandment. We have been commanded to believe on Jesus. We have been commanded to rest our minds in what He's done for us. When we believe that we are obedient to His commandment and we've got boldness before God, for we do what is pleasing in His sight. The Bible says, without faith it's impossible to please God. It says, we ask, we receive from Him. Why? Because we do His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight, which is to believe on Jesus. So I want to declare over you your obedience to God. You've been obedient all the time. If you believed on Jesus, I want to tell you, you've been obedient. The only thing is Satan could have come and uh, distracted your mind into some works that might not have been good works. And then he wanted to, to declare you as disobedient because you've got a bad work. And now you start to focus on the works and not the belief of what is done on the cross for you. And you're in this works mentality, sin consciousness, sought out of your own life mindset that's just tiring you out and those around you. A new commandment I've given unto you, so that you can love one another as I have loved you. This commandment was to believe on the name of Jesus. When you believe on the name of Jesus, you hear the declaration of God over your life. That He has paid for your sins. You were made the righteousness of God. When you receive that, you will find that you can now love one another as He has Loved us by, by what? How did He love us? By not imputing our trespasses. So now you can go and not impute somebody's trespasses against Him because there's no law by which you find Him guilty anymore. <laughs> that we've always been condemned. I should have bought my neighbor a house and a car and whatever. You always feel condemned. You always feel condemned. I've had people, uh, um, you know, I've met people that, that's very rich. And then they come and they say, you know, I feel so guilty because I've got so much and I always see the poor. Now, remember what Paul says. Paul said, he does not forget the poor, he gives to the poor. I'm not saying we live a, a stingy life and we don't care for the poor. But by your giving to the poor, you will never get the emotion of guilt out of your heart. You can, listen, the Bible says, even if you sell all your things and give it to the poor, then to have this revelation of love, you are still nothing. And you will still feel like nothing. <laughs> so this love, what is this love? That He does not impute our trespasses against us by removing that which made us guilty before God, which was the system that said, by my works I must be like God. By removing that and obeying on your behalf, making you righteous by His act of obedience, we were loved. I want to tell you, listen to what I say, and I don't want to accuse anybody, but listen to what I say. Unless you've come to that realization, my friend, you've never experienced what it is to be loved. Never. Maybe sometimes you might feel, now I feel loved, but you can go and connect that emotion of love directly to when you got things right. When you prayed enough, 
when you've given enough, when you've been to church enough. That means it is not the emotion of love, but actually the emotion of qualification by your own standards, or another good word for it is the emotion of self-righteousness. It's not feeling loved. Feeling loved is what that... (laughs) Feeling loved is what the woman had that, that was caught in the very act and in the presence of her accusers. God removed the accusation first. Like I said before, so that she can breathe. Because you cannot breathe in the presence of condemnation. You cannot live in the presence of condemnation. And he said to a woman, where are those accusers of yours? He says, no, they're not here anymore, Lord. Has nobody condemned you? No one. Neither do I condemn you, for I don't relate to you. The commandment I have of my Father is that I am the sin remover. Now we can go and love all people that way by simply seeing man that way. The thing is, we, have, we that believe this message of grace, we, are, we have been obedient. Listen, listen to this. We have been obedient to the fact that we believe and we have been obedient that we love our neighbor as he has loved us. Because we started to see people as God has paid for their sins. We don't look at their works when we relate to God. And especially to the Jewish people, this was a very big thing because they had to love people the way God loved them. God came to sinners and didn't impute their trespasses so now they could look at the Gentiles and see them as humans. Because God looked at sinners and saw them as godly. Let's go to Romans 4. What must we believe about God? If you go to look at Abraham, the Bible says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, what did he believe about God? We must go and put ourselves in the shoes of Abraham. Abraham was a man who didn't know God. God didn't appear to him all the time. He was a normal man, like you would get a normal businessman today, living his normal life. Abraham was not born again. Abraham didn't have the Holy Spirit. So if you take somebody that's not born again, that does not have the Holy Spirit, that's a normal businessman out there in the world living, that is now Abraham. He might live a good life. I'm not saying he's sleeping around and stealing people's stuff or whatever. He was just a normal businessman living out there. He also maybe had some religious affairs where he sacrificed things. He didn't have a law on how to do things. He just knows what he feels. And that's what he did. And then God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, or Abram, I will make you the father of many nations. I'll bless you. So here stands a man, and here appears a God to a man, tells this man, I'll bless you. Then he believed that God can bless him just the way he is. He didn't think that he's now going to change, then God's going to bless him. He says, I will bless you. It's like going to a, 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 a guy in the street that sits on the street begging, telling, listen, God comes to him and says, I am going to bless you. 
What must he believe? He must believe that this guy that says, I'm going to bless you, has got the ability to bless somebody who doesn't live on the highest standards of life. But that the man who promised that he will bless him, possesses the ability to bless somebody who doesn't qualify. (laughs) Okay. That was the whole thing about Abraham. There was no law that he had to live up to. He simply believed that God can bless me just the way I am. He believed God. Well, if if God said that, and God, then that's fine. Now, let's go to Romans 4, and we just see this in the New Testament. Because when we go to the Old Testament, we can see a lot of types and shadows in it that maybe doesn't relate to to the grace message, but let's see how Paul took that and related it to the gospel. He says from verse 4, Now to him that works... Now listen to this. Let's read from verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh has found? So what he's actually saying here, the context of flesh here is good works or things he does right. He says that Abraham our father get what he got because of the good he's done. For if Abraham were justified by works, you see their flesh and works is, what is synonyma? Yes. And has, uh, and has whereof the glory but not before God. For what does the scripture say? It doesn't say, and Abram lived good and God blessed him. It says, and Abraham believed God and his faith was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him that works not, but uh, uh, to him that works is the reward reckoned, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that works not, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So what must we believe as Christians? That God, through Jesus Christ, comes and justifies the ungodly. Not the godly, the ungodly. When we believe that, we obey His command. Because His command is, believe me, I'll save you. (laughs) Hallelujah. And... I give you command to believe upon me and then you'll be able to love other people the way I've loved you. Because you will see them the way I see them. You'll start to act towards them the way I act towards them. It's like I said, we go into the crusade fields whenever I, I come to people, I declare to them what Christ has done for them and their sins 2,000 years ago. Then they believe upon that. As they believe upon that, they experience the power of what already happened 2,000 years ago. You know, the gospel became so mixed with works that we don't even know the gospel anymore. We don't know what it really is. The gospel was the good news that man, God, like with Abraham, I promise you, I'll make you a father of many, many nations. He came to mankind, the whole human race, and he made a promise to us, and he said that I will bring salvation free from your works. I will make you the way I am, free from your works. Whosoever believes that is obedient to the commandment. Let's go to Romans 6. I'm just reminded of a scripture now. If we talk about obedience to what was commanded in the Bible, <coughs> Romans chapter 6, uh, just see if I can find it. 
Let's read from verse 15. What shall we say then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? No, God forbid. So, let nobody tell you, when you hear the grace message, that you're now going to sin because you're under the grace message. It's like the one guy said, he said, you know, because Bertie is under, he's not preaching, sowing and reaping and tithing, if he goes through a bad time financially, you know, or a supporter, I don't even say I want to go, went through a bad time, a supporter stopped. God raised up some other supporters. When a supporter stopped, then they came and said, oh, you know, Bertie is now going through this bad thing because of this message. But the two million people that went bankrupt before that, that was tithers, is not the message problem, that's the bad guy. It's not the message. So if a guy under the law that preaches, you must live right, you must do this, if he goes and falls in adultery, they don't say, look at that message. They say, this foolish guy. But when you're under grace and someone does something wrong, they say, the problem is with the message. It's not. The Bible says here, (laughs) What shall we say then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? No, God will forbid the sin. Under the law, you know you have to forbid the sin. But under grace, God forbids it. That word forbid means cease to exist. So he says, under grace, God ceases that thing to exist in your life. And go and read Romans 6, you'll see it is the true context of that. Then verse 17, it says, oh, verse 16, Know you not that to whom you healed yourself servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto, unto righteousness. So obedience brings you to righteousness. Obedience to what? But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from your heart, that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. So there's a certain doctrine that's being preached. And our obedience to that doctrine is our believing that it is so. When we believe that doctrine, what doctrine? The doctrine that through the disobedience of one man, many were made sinners, in the same way through the obedience of one, shall many be made righteous. That doctrine... When we believe that doctrine that implies that the nature of God will indwell us free from our works, that His laws, His nature will be written upon our hearts and God will indwell human flesh and live in this world in your body by the Holy Spirit. When we believe that we can have access to the very fullness of God free from our works, we are obedient to the doctrine of the gospel of Jesus. Not the gospel of me, not the gospel of my effort, the gospel of what God did in Christ. The ministry that we have uh, in Afrikaans, the bediening wat ons het, is the bediening van versoening. It's the ministry of reconciliation. Ons het die bediening van versoening. So he came and, and he said, listen ministers, go, I give unto you a ministry of reconciliation. And then it says, and God reconciled the world unto himself, by, by what? 
by not imputing their trespasses against them. And then He has given unto us this ministration where we minister God's reconciliation towards man. How God reconciled the world unto Himself. So when we go to people and we start to see people the way God sees people according to the gospel, then we are obedient to Him and we love people the way God loved us. So I'm going to tell you, the Bible says His commandments, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, is, it says His commandments are not burdensome. So it's not supposed to be difficult. Because it is not difficult. If I, with this definition of obedience and loving each other, I get it right. I get it right, I want to say all the time. <laughs> because I believe in Jesus all the time. And all the time I believe that Jesus paid for the sin of the whole world. And I start to see people, not start to, that's how I see people. I see that God has reconciled the greatest sinner in this world unto Himself by not imputing His trespass to Him. And I see that man as a man whose trespass is not against Him. So I'm loving that person by looking at that person the way God loved me and the way He looks at me. So I have got a guilt-free life. And that's yours, man. A guilt-free life. But maybe I should have behaved like this, or I should have behaved like that. What measure are you using to see if you are obedient or not? Don't use another measure. Use the measure that's ordained by God. And that measure is to believe in Jesus and see people from that perspective. Everybody here, I tell you now, I see everyone here. I don't care what, even, even a person who steals from me. I love with the love of God. Because I, maybe I'm upset because he stole my stuff. But it doesn't change the fact that I can, I cannot see, I cannot but see him as somebody that God does not impute that trespass against him. Like, oh, 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 Rian, he's not here now. He's, <laughs> He said, uh, he had a guy that built there at his house and, and uh, it was a whole thing, you know. And then he said, the worst thing for him was, and he couldn't talk it away, was that God will not keep it against that guy. <laughs> he, can, he can't do anything about it. But God will not keep that person's trespass against him. And that is how he sees him. You know what? He's getting it right to love that person with the love of God. He gets it right. It's not even difficult because there's a power of conviction, not just conviction, a power of persuasion that God also paid for that person and that God is not keeping that person's sin against him that you cannot change. It doesn't matter what he's done. We have preached so many times and we've said even people that has molested children, murdered, murdered people murdered their own parents, that God has reconciled the world unto Himself by not imputing those things against them. And you that sit here knows that God has paid for the sin of the whole world. If you know that and you say that over the world, you are loving the world with the love of God. For herein is love. They didn't impute our, tre our trespasses against us. <laughs> And we see the whole world from that perspective with the love of God. 
You are obedient, my friend. You are obedient. To, if you're a believer, you can, you can confess the name of Jesus and believe that God blesses people only because of their good works, then you are disobedient. You are not loving people with the love of God. You stand guilty before that. You're guilty. But if you say, God, you know, we, we, we and, and I've said this, I want to use this example again, it's a good example. If you walk from here to Cairo, you might get there. But if somebody stops next to you and tells you, listen, I offer you a lift, you'll get there much quicker on the mercy of another man than your own ability. So let's stop to look at our muscles as it developed in our great effort of walking, finding great pride in our ability. Because look, take who fixes Noah. You're not going to make it, my friend. Somewhere you're going to slip up because by your own effort you can never make it. You know, you can walk from here to Cairo, but you cannot swim from here to New York. You might have thought, I might walk until up to Cairo, but you know, it's not like that. The thing that God has placed, the, the thing that Adam placed there was, we must reach the standard of God, free from God living in us. How will you get it right? You must be exactly, not just like God, you must have God. <laughs> there is only one God. This is what Adam did. Remember people, there's only one God. The Bible says one of the great commandments there is you believe that God is one. You do good. So there's one God. That's what you believe. There's one God. So if there's one God, there cannot be more than one. So if you want to be like God, you're either going to have the only one God in you, or you're never going to be like God. For there's only one God. I mean, that's not a difficult calculation. One equals one. One does not equal zero. So if you are uh, I, I said it this way on the men's camp there. If I build a car, God made man out of the dust of the earth. Then he blew the breath of life into man. Then man became like God. Why? Because the breath of God was in him, but God first formed him from the dust of the earth. It's like we now build a car. This wonderful car. You know this night rider car that can talk by itself. And then the night rider car decides, I don't need the only fuel that there is. That's possessed by the man who built me. I will create my own fuel. Now, a car doesn't even have hands. How's he going to make fuel? And if we possess the only fuel, do you know what? He will never live up to his full potential. He'll be dead. He'll be dead. He'll just stand there. And that's what Adam did in the beginning. He said, I'll be like God without God in me, only by knowledge of good and evil, I'll have knowledge of the good things that I can do, and then I'll believe by the good I can do, I'll be like God. And that killed him. That mindset was sold throughout ages and generations. That's, that's called the ministration of death, eventually written on stones in Second Corinthians 3. And now Satan comes and, he, and through, through us and through trying to twist the truth, 
make a commandment to the church saying, you shall love everybody, and then he he gives a, a list of things that's almost impossible to do. And we always feel disqualified. I'm here to declare your obedience. I declare, if you believe, this is the only if, if you believe that Jesus paid for the sin of the whole world, if you believe that, you call upon His name and you believe that He paid for the sin of the whole world, I want to tell you, you obey His commandments. You are obedient. I tell you, when I saw this, there was a different, I had a different walk in this life. There was something that just fell off me. That condemnation and guilt is gone. To know that I love people the way God loves them. But we've got a different standard. God's standard of love was, I, don't, I, 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 I reconcile them by not imputing their trespasses here in His love. Not that they loved me, but that I loved them. So how do we love them with the love of God? A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. How do we get it right? So he gave a commandment, believe upon me for I have removed, I've paid for the sins of the whole world. Now from that perspective we see, so we do the belief part and we do the love part by simply believing that and making that our reality. A new commandment he gave to us so that, it will be able, so that we can possess the ability to love all people with the love of God. Thank you my God. Thank you my God. Let me tell you something. We've made... Loving our neighbor, the standard of, we will meet all his needs. In other words, in the sense of, we, we, you know, if, if, if he's poor, we're going to buy him everything. If he needs a house, we're going to buy him a house. If he needs a car, we're going to buy him a car. We're going to love our neighbor. But then we try and justify ourselves by saying, you know, I cannot buy him a car because he will not be responsible with a car. Then we justify ourselves and implement a law system by which we judge people again, making sinners. If the love of God must be measured by what people possess, then God is not loving most people on the planet. The love of God is measured by this one thing, that He's not imputing our trespasses against us. And that He was the propitiation or the sacrifice for our sins. And if we love the world with the love of God, we see that truth towards man. And we're living in the love of God. I want to tell you I love you. And I want to tell you thank you for loving me. You are obedient and you love your neighbor. Hallelujah. Does that mean you will never be generous towards them? Man, God lives in you. God lives in you. Don't live a fake life. Be yourself, man. Be yourself. If you feel in your heart, man, I just feel to buy this person something. Buy it. Blessing. Be good to people. Speak the love of God. The, the greatest way you can ever love somebody. Let, let me tell you this. The greatest way in which you can ever love somebody, and you can ask all people that has already died and that's in heaven today. You will say the greatest Love that somebody ever showed towards me was to preach the gospel to me. There's no greater love than that. Now how do we lay down our lives for our neighbor? How do we lay down our lives? There's two lives. The life that says, 
I live out of the reality of what Christ has done and the life that's born out of the law. We lay down the law life. And we say we don't see people by this law system and say, he's not good enough, God doesn't love him. We don't do that. We see God has paid for the sins of all people. Thank you, my God. And we preach that gospel to them. If they believe it. And I want to say that again. If they, once they believe, the Bible says, by that faith they've got access into what God has already done for them. And they are saved. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's close our eyes. <clears throat> you know, somebody once quoted a thing from the Old Testament. I, I have not read it myself. Um, but I know it's there. Many people have quoted it before. The prophet said to God, says, God, couldn't you have made it a little bit more difficult? Because then more people would have believed. Just with your eyes closed like that, you know. Many people have disqualified themselves because they have not kept up to church rules. There are rules in a church. And if you want to be part of a certain church group, then you must make peace with the rules they have. They might start, start at 9 o'clock in the morning and end at 11. They might like four songs praise, three songs worship. And that is the rules that they have got in their church. But there are many of us that is not qualified according to those rules, but we thought that it was God's rules upon our lives. It was rules, but it was that church's rules. And churches must have rules, but don't see it as God's rules over your life. And people got hurt and think, God was upset with me. God didn't love me. You know, I always feel disqualified. I'll never make it before God. And then this, the feared backsliding happened. I want to tell you, if you believe in Jesus Christ and this good news... You are obedient to Him. If you can see that God paid for the sins of the whole world, even the pastors or the leaders that has abused you, you are loving your neighbor as yourself. Or you are loving your neighbor as God loved you. Thank you, my God, for the Gospel. Thank you, Father, for the Gospel that made it easy for us to love all people. Thank you, Lord, that that guilt could have fallen off my back where I felt like I don't love all people, but my standard was wrong. Thank you that you have given us one standard, and that is Jesus and the cross, and that we can rest in all areas of life, that I can know that over every person here that believes this good news, that, that, that doesn't make their human ability their saviour, they are perfectly obedient before you. For they call only upon one name. Thank you, Lord, that we, that today, by your grace, by looking at Jesus, we can lay down the thing that says, like the clip we saw about me, myself, and I. Thank you, Lord, that our praise is not of ourselves, but it's of you. Like Paul said, what do we have? in the last day, but you in the glory of God. Lord, we, we cannot 
take anything to heaven. No house, no money, nothing. We, that, that, therefore, that is not the, the way by which we determine who we are in you. But thank you, Lord, for your unconditional love towards us. Thank you, Lord, for your care towards us. Thank you, Lord, that you love people so much. I declare over everyone here today that the thing that you've been hidden in your heart, the guilt that's in your heart, God sets you free. He has set you free in Jesus' name. He doesn't impute any trespass against you. I declare over your life, the Bible says that love does not keep score of evil. And God has never been keeping score of anything bad you've done. The only score is kept in your name was the obedience of Jesus on your behalf. Hallelujah. I declare over you today your innocence. If you can believe what Jesus has done today, you'll experience your innocence. For that's what God gives you. I declare it over everyone here. You are the loved of God. You are the favored of God. You're His beloved uh, uh, bride. He loves you so much. He sees good in you for His doing. And all the glory goes to Jesus. We cannot boast in anything. You cannot boast in what you've done. He is the all-sufficient Savior. He's washed your sins away. He's made you clean forevermore. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I speak it over you because it's God's truth. That's God's commandment over you. His commandment over you is, I made you righteous. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You might say this might be in general, but I believe there's somebody here. <clears throat> you're, a, you're a businessman, and um, I don't know, it's like small packets of something that you are selling. And uh, you don't know if this deal's going to go through or not or whatever. I believe God says, don't trust any deal. I am your provider. I am your provider and I will provide for you. Look at the lilies. They don't toil or spin. Yet nobody is clothed like them. I believe the Lord says that you've got the same worth to Him as the resurrected Christ. That's what the Father says to you. As surely as what Jesus is provided for, you are provided for. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.